And welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And Luke, I have a question for you. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What is your favorite dumb Christmas gift of all time? I think the we should give a, a commendation out there for the Billy Bass singing Trophy Bass, uh, especially when people reprogram them to do things like sing Dolly Parton or Cher. I've seen a lot of them reprogrammed so that it's the voice component for the uh, she who must not be named at home devices. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so whenever you instruct her to do things, the bass is what answers, <gasps> which is hilarious. Oh, uh, okay. I yeah. find the Internet of Things creepy, but that would be hilarious. That would be amazing if you were having a conversation with a bass. Um, I think for me, my mother really got into a kick of buying me novelty slippers. Okay. And I nearly died on several occasions because these novelty slippers are like giant bare feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're they're oversized slippers. Okay. That make walking upstairs a bleeding death trap. Well, I was going to say walking downstairs would be the hard part because walking up sometimes just you've seen me walk it's a struggle at the best of times and uh yeah novelty slippers for listeners who don't know me uh luke's i believe left leg is half an inch shorter than his right leg yeah my right achilles tendon is not uh super stellar so i've got one leg slightly shorter than the other but yeah yeah and when you're drunk you really do walk in circles I do, yeah. yeah. I, I tell people I lean to the right, which is really yeah. not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I only physically lean to the right. So, um, see, just say you have a clockwise bias. I do, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, sometimes I go in circles, that is for sure. All right, a little later on, we are joined by our guest, queer mental health professional based out of Ottawa, Sydney Dean, will be talking to us about different strategies about how we can manage the sheer amount of stress mm-hmm. that comes with being with family or being without family mm. over the holiday period. For me, Sherry is uh, how I, I, I respond to stress. It's not a woman <laughs> called Sherry. It's the yes. fortified wine. That yes. That's, that's how. For me, it's alternating between strong coffee and naps. Yeah, yeah. Just be either so buzzed you don't care anymore or just not of this world. Like there's... I read an interesting... uh, You know how we really liked, really that some of the highlights of 2021. Okay. Good documents. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. The Yukon's action plan. Oh, amazing document. Okay, yes. How they plan to, uh, you know, work better with LGBT people in, in the Yukon. Amazing okay. top shelf document. Casual readers will enjoy. I recommend five stars. The Welsh government also made its own LGBTI action plan with okay. you know graphics and illustrations and so on. But what's really interesting is that they have now actioned their action plan. Oh, and they're rolling out training to museums. Uh, archives and library staff members across the country in Wales okay. on LGBT inclusion. So okay. that in a few months, when it's LGBT history month, 
All of these staff members who are suddenly expected to know all of the things will have had some training. Because how often do companies and organizations go, oh, it's Black History Month, oh, it's Indigenous Week, or it's, you know, Pride Month, let's do a thing. And then suddenly everyone employed there is expected to be an expert, but there's Mm -hmm. no discussion, no No, training. Yep. So they're they're trying to avoid uh, what the uh, Canadian Museum did, the Museum of History, Museum of Culture, Museum of Civilization, maybe. So, no, what, no, it was the one that was out in Alberta. How am I forgetting this? Oh, the one the, in Alberta, the big story last year. Oh, I can't remember. Oh my God, this is going to haunt me. It will haunt you, but yeah, it sounds about right that somebody the did Human the Rights of... Museum. Oh, that was in. Um... That was in Winnipeg. Oh. The Canadian Museum of Human Rights. Apologies to Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. They are, it did not go well for them. No. When your human rights museum has human rights complaints, yes. that's not a good day. They no. have done a lot of work since then to, uh, to not be the worst. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that is encouraging. I did want to mention very briefly that I am excited. At time of recording... Mm-hmm. I have not seen the season finale for RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Okay. So we cannot give spoilers even if we tried. I think at time of broadcast, the finale's already come out and everyone knows who won. Okay. But um, my good friend, Ron Crappin, um, who is, I think, Daddy Wiggs online. I think that is his, uh, his name okay. on, on various social media. I met him as... as, as Camila Kator okay. was, uh, was Ron's drag name. He now, I recognize his name. I feel like I've met him too. He now does a lot of um, uh, drag hair designs. He designs wigs, which are, and they're amazing. Okay, and yes. he's designed a few that Isis Kator has uh, worn. Okay. She's in the top three. She's in the finale for RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. An Ottawa queen, so down to earth, the oldest queen in the competition this year. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just really exciting to have that local connection to Ottawa and the drag race. And, you know, even knowing somebody who's in that drag family. And I realize I'm friends on Facebook with Isis Couture, but I can't remember when that happened. Apparently in 2014, we became friends. Who knew? Who All right. You? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Kiki Ko, who I believe is uh, also doing really well in the other drag uh, competition that's happening right now, also from Ottawa. Hmm. Yeah. Ottawa's representing. Who knew? I think I met Kiki as well. I, I would imagine you would have. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, jump to maybe a, a real story. We mentioned it in passing last week. Um, Bill Watcott, who is most notorious from the fact that there is a Supreme Court decision against him, which mm-hmm. is now named after him um, around hate crime. It's, it is Watcott versus okay, is yes. the, the legal precedent in hate crime law. Um, he was dressed up in a green morph suit, okay. along with various other fanaticals. Um, they misrepresented themselves to Pride Toronto. Mm-hmm. And understandably, Pride Toronto is not particularly impressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took the opportunity to hand out hate pamphlets um, during Toronto Pride 
as they were tooling along in the parade or alongside the parade, I forget which one it was, in their green morph suits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they were promptly stopped and uh, hate crime uh, charges were laid, uh, particularly around distributing hate, which is one of the very few actual hate crime crimes that exist. Onto as, itself, yeah. As we both know, any crime can be hate-motivated, mm-hmm. and there are only two actual hate crimes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. promoting... Well, uh, hate crime in a vacuum. It'll be like yeah. assault plus you know, hate motivation. Yeah. yeah. But a hate crime as a thing onto itself where you look at the thing and you're like, that thing was a hate crime and not something else plus hate crime. Short list. Yeah, I think one is yeah. genocide and like promoting genocide, and the other one is is hate materials. I think it, it's it's not yeah. quite not quite genocide. Yeah. Um, essentially, the uh, Ontario Court Judge, the Superior Court Justice Robert Goldstein, um, has acquitted Bill Watcott of the charges, and he says it's because it is the gray zone between legitimate expression and hate speech. And uh, noted that Walcott should not take this as a vindication or an endorsement of his views. Um, A lot of LGBT folks are quite upset with this decision because they worry that this legal decision will now open the door for many other people to do the same thing at Pride events, including Walcott himself, who is certainly going to be emboldened by this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Pride Toronto in a statement essentially said, you know, for the gay community, this clearly was a hate crime. For the targets of the pamphlet, it okay. very much was a hate crime. Okay. Um, Do you remember what, what they actually said? The Pride Toronto? Because I, I could think of like a few situations that that could like, to me, satisfy a legal gray area where if somewhere somebody made a pamphlet that was like, I do not like gay people. And if you open it up, it says, if you are gay, I do not like you. I would call that kind of a jerk move, but legal expression. That's not advocating harm. That's not advocating genocide. That's just somebody expressing their own stupidity. And it would not, as far as I'm concerned, legally fall under the heading of hate crime, but depending on how they gave it to you, it could fall under harassment, but that's something else. So, I mean, I, I, I could imagine there are situations where even reasonable people would look at it and go, ooh, yeah, I don't know. Well, if apparently I it was very, very close, like like breathing over the line. Okay. Um, Pride Toronto's uh, Primo Alan said the verdict sends the message that hate crimes against identifiable groups are still acceptable. And uh, this is in their social media release. Uh, to our 2SLGBTQ plus community, today we share your anger as sadness, but remain committed to calling out and fighting hate in all forms. Prior Toronto and others sued Bill Walcott mm-hmm. and the group that went around handing out these hate pamphlets. Uh, that court, that uh, lawsuit was settled uh, out of court, mm-hmm. so we don't know the details of that lawsuit. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not this is appealed, but it is unlikely to uh, be appealed. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star did a great job uh, also interviewing lawyer Doug Elliott, uh, who said this ruling is proof once again that LGBT folk remain a fair target of hatred at least as far as our judges are concerned, the criminal justice system has repeatedly failed us. 
So yeah, there's definitely some uh, some people who are not thrilled. Mm-hmm. We'll keep an eye on the story. It is almost without doubt that Bill Walcott will insert himself into some other trouble in uh, 2022. But for now, let us jump to our first track of the day. And this is well, featuring Canadian queer artists, always, Ooh. as usual. And some of them have made Christmas music. So <laughs> I know that one of the stations that carry us, Canoe FM, there's like a limit to the amount of Christmas songs. So we yes. are definitely pushing that limit with two out of three tracks today being a little bit Christmassy. Mm-hmm. So this one is Christmas is the Time to Say I Love You by Gold Shats and uh, a, a folk couple out of, I think, uh, what are they, Toronto-ish? I forget where they're from. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting one. Apparently they wrote it in July and it was a whole experience. But yes, this is the track of Christmas is the time to say I love you. And we will be back just after this. Christmas is the time to say I love you. To share the joys of laughter and the cheer. Christmas is the time to say I love you. And a feeling that will last all through the year. On the corner, carolers are singing. There's a touch of magic in the air. From grown up to minor, no one could be finer. Times are hard and we all want to share. Christmas Eve and all the world is watching. Santa guides his reindeer through the dark. From rooftop to chimney, from Harlem to Bimini, they will find a way into your heart. Christmas is the time to say I love you. To share the joys of laughter and the cheer. Christmas is the time to say I love you. The fire we share the glow Of moonlight and brandy Sweet talk and candy Sentiments that everyone should know Memories of the years that lay behind us Wishes for the year that's yet to come And it stands to reason The good friends and season. Welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And my name is Sebastian. 
And we are excited at this uh, over this holiday time uh, to welcome uh, our next guest. Sydney Dean is a licensed uh, counselor based out of Ottawa, our hometown. And uh, you, I believe you're licensed to practice across Ontario uh, through the province. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me here. I was uh, delighted to receive your message. Excellent. Well, I mean, it's 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 interesting that we brought it in. I I found your so we spotted you through Matchmaker, which is like a podcast matching service. Um, like such an unfortunate name for such yeah, a good platform. <laughs> Excellent tool. Um, but I found it really interesting how you mentioned that you focus on emotional re- regulation and self storytelling, and we're going to dive into those in just a minute, but. One of the things that jumped out at me as to why I thought you'd make a fantastic guest for us is, you know, queer folks are well aware that over the holiday period, it it is, I mean, it's stressful for everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to burn the turkey? Can I afford to buy all the presents? You know, there, there is so many triggers out there to just cause more I'm getting stressed out just thinking about it. God help uh, mm. our, our listeners. Um, do you find that you're particularly more busy at this time of year than, let's say, other parts of the year? That is a really fascinating um, question because I have noticed that usually within uh, like the first few weeks of fall, um, I start to get like a little bit busier. And then kind of in the summer, that's usually when I'm like more quiet. But Certainly, I feel like ramping up to the holiday season, season, there does seem to be more people reaching out, more people looking to talk about things. Absolutely. Excellent. Now, in your, can you, can you tell us a little bit about emotional regulation and how somebody can avoid becoming overwhelmed over the, the holidays? Yeah, so when I talk about emotional regulation, I am talking about like taking a look at the emotions that someone is experiencing. So sometimes like it can be hard or challenging to pinpoint like what exactly it is that someone is experiencing. So a lot of the work in emotional regulation is figuring out uh, like, how is it that you're experiencing that emotion? And that is like, what does it feel like in your body? What are the thoughts that are accompanying it? Um, And how can you work with it in such a way so that it doesn't become so big and overwhelming? Because again, it can, it can be really big and overwhelming and one can become uh, consumed with like emotions sometimes. So figuring out like, how can you experience them without it being so scary? Um, And certainly as you were saying, sort of like in the intro, like leading up to the holidays and the holidays in general, like it it can be definitely overwhelming for a lot of folks. And so I think that doing emotional regulation work or, you know, engaging in some sort of like self-care practice um, would absolutely be useful. I find it interesting that you talk about recognizing and, and, um, better understanding your emotions i bought my uh five-year-old nephew the color monster Mm. um which is a a book about emotions and it's about this monster has got all tangled colors and then sorts them out through i thought it was adorable but i saw that and i was like that's such a great tool to sit and and think i just the the coincidence 
that what I've bought for my my five year old nephew um, can apply to everybody. You know, do you find that people often get so caught up in the moment and the frenzy, which is the holiday season, that uh, they lose track of that that time to sit and, and think through themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, like as we were saying, like the holidays are such a, a busy time in general, and there are a lot of different things that kind of pull at people's attention and energy. Um, and so I think that because of that, because it is like a stressful time of year, like that added stress can kind of like compound on what someone is already feeling. And it can be really challenging then to, to like figure out what exactly is going on. Like, what am I actually stressed about? Am I stressed about this one thing, or I'm actually stressed about something else that's going on? Is it a bit about everything? Um, Which oftentimes it it does seem like it kind of snowballs into one another. Um, So yeah, absolutely. There does seem to be like holistic issues going on here as well, because uh, the, the most important things you can do in terms of mental health quite often boil down to things that seem obvious, but are harder to deal with than we give credit for. So plenty of regular quality sleep, a healthy diet, uh, minimal exercise and a sense of like regularity and predictability. And all those go out the window during the holiday season. Your, your schedule is out of whack. If you're traveling to another city, then there's that nobody sleeps properly eating, obviously, in theory, you're eating really well, but you're eating like 10 times more than usual, or it's the holiday season and you're, you're, if you're struggling financially, then you have issues there. And on top of that all, it's the darkest night of the year. The longest night of the year is mm-hmm. December 21st. Like, I wonder how much holiday uh, depression there is for Australian Christmas, because they're in the middle of their, because the, the longest day of their year is around Christmas. So I mean, that could be a sign of how much of this is just the number of sunlight hours. It's a complicated situation that's just aggravated by these underlying baseline health issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There, uh, there's certainly a lot going on. And I think you like bring up a, a good point in terms of like so many things over the holidays are different than what we're used to. Like we're kind of like out of our routine. We're visiting family or maybe we're not visiting family. Um so we're, we're kind of, in a lot of cases, in situations that do add on extra layers of stress that we don't normally have in our day-to-day lives. Um, and I think that's, like, particularly true for, uh, like, queer folks as well, who are, like, out um, in some cases within, like, family dynamics or in certain situations that um, are potentially, like, different than what they're used to. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, folks who may be not with family. We know that loneliness and um, sort of isolation is is a huge stressor within the gay community. Um, there may be folks who have lost family as a result of coming out or have self-isolated. Um, I did want to touch on the sort of COVID context of this, but I want to, before we get there, I want to talk about how maybe someone can manage with loneliness over this time, maybe if they're not able to make it to go see family, uh, or maybe they, they, the family is just not available for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I think, like, 
it's very individual or very unique to the individual, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, in terms of like figuring out and leaning into like, what are the things that I need and what I want to feel like loved and supported and cared for right now? <clears throat> when let's say like, I can't go home to my family or they're not available to me for some reason. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and so, yeah, like leaning into and giving yourself permission to um, make plans with like maybe your uh, your family of choice or just other support people that are close to you that help you feel grounded and loved and cared for and just doing the things that make you feel good in a time that can be very lonely. Mm-hmm. My partner is Vietnamese and not remotely Christian by any stretch of the imagination and uh, so for him, Christmas is, uh, you know, marathon gaming on Borderlands. And that's a good day, you know, not necessarily needing uh, the company of uh, 12 Lords of Leaping. Um, but we understand, of course, that, that might not be the case for everyone. I did want to take a, a moment and say that for anyone listening who finds themselves in a, a moment of crisis, you can contact the Crisis Services Canada at one eight three three four five six four five six six. That's one eight three three four five six four five six six. Or if you visit their website, Crisis Services Canada, they have a list of all of the crisis lines available across the country uh, for each territory and uh, province. We're so nationally coast syndicated. To coast, to coast. coast to coast yeah. to coast. It mm-hmm. would take us at least half an hour to list them all here. <laughs> so I'm hoping that folks have the wherewithal to to visit the site and find their local uh, crisis line. Um, I mean, it become it can become incredibly difficult to manage. You know, I was thinking earlier about you know in the city of Ottawa, for example, I think 900 people have passed away as a result of COVID-19. Um, and that's 10,000 in, in Ontario and, and thousands and thousands more across the country. So for many folks, this holiday season, they may be thinking about those who aren't with them and how difficult it is to navigate that space. Mm-hmm. What, what suggestions would you have for those who are looking at a Christmas without a loved one? Mm. I think that a lot of like softness and kindness to yourself is necessary because it is, it would be a very difficult thing and a very challenging thing to navigate perhaps like the first Christmas or the first major holiday without a loved one. Um, And so I think that like having the, the space to sort of be with yourself in that type of way and be with other family members or friends or people that are important to you to kind of help you get through those times is incredibly important. Um, And to take care of yourself in like whatever way makes sense. Maybe that means uh, like spending the day with friends. Maybe that means spending a night in watching a movie and eating your favorite food, just doing things that like feel good to you and connecting with people that feel good to you. It makes me wonder because I mean, my family, my mum fosters, and there's like a bajillion of them. It's a very busy space. Mm-hmm. And I think that being able to sit with my own thoughts often involves me having to leave that space. Is mm-hmm. it a way that people can better communicate that they need some company 
or that they need some space. Do you have any tips on how people can kind of get that message across that they need a bit of time or they need a bit of attention? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a, it's an excellent question because it, to me, it brings in the question of like boundaries and what boundaries are. And I think like sometimes the the person who wants to set a boundary can sometimes not communicate it out of fear, out of how the other person is going to react to it, because we can kind of make the assumption that boundaries mean that we don't want someone close to us, that we want them to stay at arm's length, that maybe they're not necessarily like a, a good person. But when I think about boundaries, there are actually ways of communicating or showing like a blueprint of some sort, like how the people that we love can move closer to us in ways that feel good for us. Um, so I think that like reframing it as a person who wants to set a boundary is like, hey, like I am asking for space, but I'm not asking for space because I don't like this person or I don't want them to be around me, but I'm asking for space because I need them to um, approach me in a different way so that like I feel comfortable. And so I, I think keeping that in mind is like a big thing. And um, like speaking very much from like their own perspective of, hey, like I'm, I'm having a, a hard time right now, or maybe I, I would prefer not to talk about this subject, um, or I just need some time alone. And just like, yeah, speaking from your perspective and there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, is like another thing to keep in mind. This is something that I noticed um, twice I moved overseas and both times moving back and just seeing the, the cultural differences. It does seem to be very broadly, very broadly, a trend in Canada that a lot of Canadians are terrified of saying no mm-hmm. or of putting other people into a position where they might have to say no. So mm-hmm. it's amazing how many people hesitate to ask someone to do something for them. And it's also quite amazing that like, because I spent a lot of time around Americans when I lived overseas, and they are completely comfortable with the word no, because it's not a personal attack to them. You say, you know, do you want this? And they say, no, I don't want that. And it's nothing personal against you. It's you asked a question, they answer the question, that's fine. And it took me a while, but like learning to adapt that attitude of they asked me a question, I'm answering the question. It doesn't have to be personal and, and mm-hmm. learning how to sort of detach because it, that there's sort of an overbearing emotional load on every single question. And that's just ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. no one's going to hate you forever because you prefer cinnamon instead of nutmeg on your ne- eggnog. Like it's, it's not the end of the world and it's totally fine to say, no, thank you, please. So it, it it's amazing how these little things, just realizations that, you know, it, they're not going to they're, they're going to be more offended that you were worried that they might be offended. If that makes sense, sort of a meta level kind of nonsense <laughs> going on. there. <laughs> I, I think it ties to one of the one of the elements that that maybe wanted to reach out to you, which is around the idea of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Can you can you expand on that a little bit in terms of the context of giving ourselves just a bit of giving yourself a bit of breathing space? Hmm. Yeah. So when I think of self-compassion, like I think about just being compassionate in general and uh, showing kindness to someone, taking like an active stance in treating someone with care. And it can certainly be easier to do that for someone else and to do it for ourselves. Um, and so 
it very much is like a practice in terms of like being kind to yourself and being soft with yourself and giving yourself the permission and the space to do the things that like you need or want to do. Um, and just like getting used to occupying that space within yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that there are lots of different tips and tricks that folks can look at over the holiday break. If you're overwhelmed, fake a phone call and go for a walk. You know, it's there's <laughs> lots of little things. If you're underwhelmed, uh, you know, go to Netflix. I think that might be uh, uh, the best option. But hopefully everyone listening will take the time to take care of themselves and give them themselves the the capacity to manage the the events and the the folks that are in the space around them. I want to thank you so much, Sydney, for, for joining us today. Uh, folks can find out more about uh, yourself and the work that you do at thoughtsundone.com. That's thoughtsundone.com or thoughts.undone um, on Instagram. Uh, any closing advice for folks who might be listening? Um just a, a slight correction, I guess it's uh, at Thoughts Undone Counseling on Instagram. I I think I have recently changed in the span of time that I made the the matchmaker account. So it's a good reminder that I'll have to go. <laughs> and uh, even like saying matchmaker account, it does definitely sound like we're talking about something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Uh, what I would want to kind of like leave it on is kind of circling back to the compassion piece for a second here. And like part of self-compassion is like this common humanity piece. So like knowing that we are uh, not alone in our struggles, like other people are having a hard time. So, or other people do have a hard time. Like we're not the only one who goes through things that are really challenging. Um, and there is like strength in that. So like over the holidays, although it might feel very lonely or isolating um, or anxiety inducing, like knowing that there are other people who are there and other people who are uh, capable of holding space for you or just even that piece of, Hey, like I, I'm not the only person who would be experiencing this. Um, it's a, it's a really, or it can be a really nice feeling to lean into knowing that we're not alone. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back just after this. I hear footsteps on my roof. Midnight Christmas Eve, do. It's a fat man in a suit. His reindeer lurking in my living room. The old milk is gone. Cookies gobbled up. Toilet seat left up after Rudolph pissed on my shoes. But the breakfast is all worth it. Sugary drug fulfillment. Work, party, drunkness. We turn together to laugh forever and cry December. Spam the tender, cash or credit as long as they get it.
with a minimum spin Selfies with the rams Plastic underwear No bias, beware The poor turkeys Gotta fake it Copious minty chocolate madness For 20 Welcome back to Cangria, home of Canada's queer media. That was a fantastic discussion that we had with Sydney Dean. Mm-hmm. We also just heard Green Christmas by Sir Noah Shark. I do want to contextualize the Pami Ru- Rudolph peed on my shoes. Uh, uh, so, so Noah Shark uh, opted for the less polite version of peeing. Uh-huh. Um, anyone offended by that, we do apologize. Uh, but it is a hilarious song. It is written by an openly gay man. And I thought it was a fantastic addition to today's uh, collection of songs. Mm-hmm. Now, you wanted to talk to us about Jesse Smalley. Well, I didn't want to talk to you about him. I wanted to have a conversation with you about it. The 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 kind of semi-comedic case has uh, come to an end uh, at time of recording. As far as I know, there hasn't been an actual 
uh, well, a conviction has been made, but the actual uh, punishment is still in the air. Uh, last I heard, they were indecisive as to whether they're going to do concurrent or consecutive. They're almost definitely going to do concurrent because 15 years uh, for a hoax is a little bit much. Like, you know, people go to prison for distributing you know, be, being a central distributor of cocaine for for that period of time. And I think that would be a little bit heavy handed. But I mean, yeah, the 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 reaction to it has been very interesting because let's, some people, let's explain for the audience first, who is oh, right. Jesse Smully and why why are people reacting? Right. Actually, my roommate had no idea that any of this had happened. And as I explained it to her, she kept saying, you must be getting the story wrong. Those details are stupid. So that's kind of a sign right there. But this was a case from two and a half years, actually almost three years ago now. Of, it was uh, 2019. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Jesse Smollett, he's an actor from the uh, TV show Empire. Uh, he was a pretty popular character on it. And he, the, the story started with he was attacked in January in Chicago at two in the morning while he was out getting a sandwich. Uh, normally, he lives in L.A., but he was visiting a friend in Chicago, but he was targeted for a hate crime. And uh, then he reported it to the police and an investigation came out where the entire way through the police kept going. What? And <laughs> I just want to contextualize this here. His alleged hate crime included putting a rope over his head. Jesse Smollett is a. It's a very handsome black man, mm-hmm. um, openly gay black man. And mm-hmm. uh, there was racial undertones with the rope as a noose. Uh, there was um, homophobic language used. Everyone from, you know, Ocasio-Cortez to Biden to Camilla, um, everyone who's anyone was talking about how heinous this hate crime was. Well, not and everyone. There were, there were protests in the streets. Because three um, years ago, if you remember, a lot of black activists were surprisingly quiet about it because Chicago in January at two in the morning, this is polar vortex season. No one's on the streets if they can help it. The other issue is that Chicago is a spoken hub city. So the downtown court is empty at night because it is only businesses. Um, from what I understand, I think Edmonton uh, is also structured the same where like downtown core is businesses, offices, commerce. You have a ring of like strip malls and and light commerce around that. And around that, you have a ring of residential and the whole city converges on the center in the day and they all spread out to the suburbs at night. There's very little in the downtown core. There is no reason for anyone to be hanging out in the downtown core unless you're in a hotel going to a conference or something. So it, it it is tumbleweed at two in the morning in the downtown core. Um, it was accused of being racist, but uh, Chicago has some of the highest rates of Democrat voters in the United States, and even I non-Democrat. The mayor voters. is a black woman in Chicago. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, non-Democrats are still particularly progressive, and actually, the Chicago is actually said to be one of the places where a third party is most likely to come out because you have people, even if they're not Democrat, they refuse to vote Republican. So it's just very, very left, and they're like, and, and then. Jesse Smollett doesn't live in Chicago, so how would they know to find him there? Like everything about it, there's a oh, and they were also accused of wearing MAGA hats, but MAGA hats are trucker hats. They're paper thin. Like you mm. would get frostbite in 
five minutes if you're wearing a mega height mega hat in chicago at two in the morning in january during a polar vortex like the more people thought about it the more they're like eh? and then when you see the pictures of the so-called noose it was actually just like a clothesline fresh out of the bag still in a coil there was no knot that 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 distinct knot that is a noose was not there it was just a coil of rope placed over his head uh and the bleach turned out to just be vinegar so everything about it was just a whole bunch of weirdness so a lot of people at first were like oh no and then as the details came out they started getting very quiet because it was a weird case now the actual court case that just ended was on the topic of basically wasting the chicago pd's time that they had put in about 200 hours investigating the case during which they found him practicing the event a week before with his assailants video footage there's video footage of him standing on a corner with two other people looking for what cameras are on the street and where they're pointed and where is the best location to stage the thing and they did a, a dry run through as well like the whole thing was just completely ridiculous one of the most obvious instances of a hoax I mean, it's worth ever. mentioning that his attackers alleged attackers yes um were his gym coaches like he yes. hired them to train him at the gym and jesse smollett himself testified that one of the two brothers um he he joined in an intimate activity at a bathhouse they had relations they had relations as it were so i mean it's hard to imagine that this these individuals are then hate criming you three days later yes um yeah although it it is worth mentioning that they did actually do a fairly moderately good staging in the sense that they did rough him up enough that when he went to the hospital the hospital did report that he had bruising on him so it it wasn't completely hearsay they did do the minimal effort and possibly only the minimal effort of staging a hoax now the fallout on this is creating a dialogue that at this time is still still ongoing and i don't think there's any conclusions yet the the as much as it is incredibly rare for hate crimes to be staged there are a couple dozen a year uh, on record and i mean it's, they, i want to note very quickly that in the united states violent hate crimes are up oh yeah more trans people were brutally murdered in the u.s in 2021 than any other previous year where records mm-hmm. were kept like hate crimes are violent people get murdered mm-hmm. and uh, in the u.s it's it's grim yeah. So yeah, this is not this is a this is not uh, emblematic of of the U.S. at all. It's not. Yeah, and the police are usually pretty good at spotting hoaxes when they see it. Um, there was an instance last year of a, a woman who set fire to her dorm um, because she, I don't remember the excuse that she gave, but it was pretty evident because there's cameras all over the place on university campuses that she set the fire herself and she blamed it on just a bunch of people attacking her and calling her slurs but it was clearly not but with the number of real events out there there's there's no reason there's no reason for this kind of thing and a lot of it is self-serving when they do get identified so in this case um the belief was that jesse smollett staged an attack against himself so that he could garner public support and ask for a raise uh, or at least get more screen time uh on on the show 
And that backfired because whether he's going to prison or not, he's not going to be on that show anymore. He did raise 200000 for his directorial debut, The B-Boys. Okay. Although he may struggle to direct that if he's now in prison. So he, I mean, in over the course of 2021, he was able to finance uh, a movie, which is mm. unheard of for emerging directors anyway, uh, let mm. alone someone at the heart of a controversy. But Sebastian, this reminds me a lot about a case we talked about earlier this year in Spain, where somebody carved uh, homophobic slurs, Spanish homophobic slurs, onto their own body. Okay. um, And it caused outrage in Spain. But it was the straw that broke the camel's back for hate crimes and abuse in Spain. And it just so happens that straw was faked. But the broken back was pretty much uh, standard. And the reaction we saw in Spain, I think, is what we're starting to see in the States, where, okay, this one wasn't it. Okay. But every other one is. And the the, the bigger issue is that these hate crimes are happening. You Mm -hmm. know, should we believe people up front? I'm inclined to still say yes. I'm inclined to still believe Jesse Smollett until evidence indicates otherwise, because if we don't believe people, then I don't know, that's not a world that uh, I'm thrilled to to live in. Well, my default state is skeptical acceptance, Mm -hmm. which I think is generally healthy of like, I'll believe you for now, but I'm open-minded to both evidence and counter evidence because that's, I don't know, that's, that's the most mature and level-minded way to go about it as far as as i can tell uh, i mean it, it's true for uh, in the age of covid when we have all these treatments coming out and and you know the wearing masks and then people saying they do nothing and then you must wear them and you should wear them and wear them indoors if you're outdoors and it's sunny and breezy it's less important like all this kind of thing it's like it's okay to update your beliefs about the world and i think it's important that you update your beliefs about the world and it's also important that if somebody said you know something very bad happened to them that you you trust them even if only at first because that's that's how we fix things i think is to to help each other out i mean this challenges people's empathy you know it It can and that's one of the to, to be empathetic but I really yeah. want to encourage people to, I mean, the Jesse Smollett story has been a saga. Yeah. Know, there was uh, reporting from the, some of the jurors who said that they thought they were doing him a favor by not convicting him on the sixth count. Um, and just, just the other five. Just the other five. Um, yeah. You no, know, just the other five. So just because, you know, it was five counts of disorderly conduct, essentially lying to the police yeah. about a, uh, um, a hate crime. It's worth noting that the Chicago, uh, the city of Chicago is thoroughly unimpressed oh, yeah. with his whole saga. And I believe they're suing him for, I want to say, 150000 130000 mm. uh, US dollars. Um, Essentially the cost of the investigation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also the two brothers are suing his uh, legal team for defamation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. And he basically definitely lied when he was under oath during the case as well. So there's probably going to be follow-up cases. The whole thing is, it's ongoing. 
it's not great and seriously there there are enough bad things in the world happening you don't you don't need to fake them you know if you're an activist who really wants to hit yourself onto a narrative just wait a week something's gonna happen and i that's dark but unfortunately it's often true it really is yeah all right well, I want to maybe end on a not-so-depressing note. Uh, we didn't get a chance to mention it before, but I did mention that Lewis Hamilton was raising the subject of LGBT rights in Saudi Arabia, who mm-hmm. was uh, they're trying to bring more culture to the Middle East. Okay. Uh, sorry, bringing more international cultural events. Okay. Just to clarify my comments there okay they're looking at bringing more international cultural events because the middle east has like seven thousand years yeah they have they have like (laughs) those places of culture i'm like yeah that's that's where culture comes from no it's um yeah no they're they're, they're looking at bringing major events and they were able to get the grand prix the formula one grand prix um into saudi arabia so lewis hamilton who is a legend at this point uh, got a customized rainbow flag helmet. Mm-hmm. And on any given occasion, if someone stopped near him with a microphone, was talking about LGBT rights in, in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, he made, uh, he won the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix Ooh. in his rainbow helmet in Saudi Arabia. And uh, it was just, yeah. And he apparently he stopped twice. And drove into his rival by accident, oh. um, and still won, even with uh, with all of those delays added well, it's, up. It's not cars driving in a circle real, real fast unless something catches on fire. Yeah. Well, he was hoping to spark a conversation, and he certainly did that. Well, we have run out of time on that slightly more pleasant note. Uh, we are playing out with I Will Stand by Tanya Joy. Uh, this is optimistic and, and, and passionate song. Hopefully it will lift all of our spirits as we celebrate uh, the holiday season. I have been Luke Smith. And I have been Sebastian. And thank you for listening and have a happy holiday. criticize me because I have a different voice I choose to live free and you disagree with that choice I will stand in the light you're under my skin but I don't have to let you in I won't put up a fight, but that don't mean I let you win. I will stand, I will stand in the
of the wrong and the right I'll take a deep breath and I'll take the next step in my life